Amen. Good morning. You may have to have your Bibles handy because not every scripture that I'm going to use today is going to be on the screen. Most of them are, but God's given me some more uh, that since then. So, but last Sunday, we um, kind of jumped off on this verse of Deuteronomy 4.39. It says, Therefore know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Remember, we talked about the word know, meaning settle it once and for all, believe it with all of your heart, and then consider as to rehearse it over and over again, as God said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to his people, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, teach these things to your children. He said, um, talk of them when you diligently, when you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. So that, what we talked about, the knowing and the considering it. Uh, settle it once and for all. Rehearse it repeatedly over and over. Why? Why? Because of the pluralistic world that we live in. We are bombarded with error. Daily bombarded with untruth. So we need to know and consider the truth. Now, we admit that people do believe in other gods. We looked at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul said, yes, people do believe in other gods. People regard other things or other beings as little g gods. So today, I want to answer the question, why do people believe in other gods? If there's only one God, why do people believe there are other gods? So the first Part of that answer is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Paul says, and I'm reading, this is uh, out of the New Living Translation, but Paul says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So first of all, let me address that Satan as being the little g God of this world. Satan, remember, was an archangel. Beautiful, the Bible says. But he said, I can be like God. And then God expelled him. God kicked him out, if you will. And one third of all the angels were under his influence and they left with him. They were expelled with him. So that's where we get the devil and his angels or the devil and demons. And God has, the big G God, the one true God, has given the devil some sway in this world, some influence in this world. He's called the prince of this world. He's called the little G God of this world. Because it seems that the majority of this world wants to follow him instead of the one true God. So why are people, do people believe in other gods? Because Satan has blinded the minds of those who what? Don't believe. Now that's going to be... A key point in just a moment. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. That one will be on the screen, but listen to verse 1 through 4. And then verses 13 through 15. Paul says to that church, as God says to us today, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. 
For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That word chaste means pure. And that one husband is Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. He is our bridegroom or our husband. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted by, from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Now you have to remember one of the things, that last phrase, Paul is being facetious, if you will. He says, you're just putting up with everything. It's kind of what he's saying. You're, you're, you're tolerating everything. All this, people are coming with a different gospel and a different Jesus and a, and a, and a different message, and, and you're just putting up with it. Paul said, that's got to stop. And that's what he's saying. He's saying to the people of God. And that's what this message is. That's really what this whole series is to the people of God. It's to you, it's to me, is that we cannot bear with everything we cannot tolerate all the falsehood and the error that's coming down the pipe. Look at verse 13 through 15. Paul wants us to know that there are such things as false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. I say, and so, one, thing, one of the reasons people believe in other gods is they're deceived by the devil, and the devil is deceiving them by appearing as an angel of light. Now think about it. What was the devil before he was the devil? He was an angel. So how easy would it be for him to appear again as an angel? Was he not at one time an angel of light? Yes, he was. So how easy would it be for him to appear again to anybody as an angel of light and to deceive. It was an angel that deceived Joseph Smith. It was an angel that appeared to Joseph Smith and, and said, here is another book. Here are, here are the plates, so to speak, that, uh, that God himself wrote and he wants you to, to publish it. Book of Mormon. We'll get to that when we talk about one sacred scripture. It was an angel that deceived Joseph Smith. Who was that angel, do you think? It was the devil. Appearing as an angel of light. It was an angel that deceived Muhammad. You know that angel's name? Gabriel. That's what he said his name was. Or at least that's what Muhammad thought his name was. This angel claimed to be Gabriel and gave him Allah's words. Which became the Quran. But how could the real angel Gabriel give an opposing message to Muhammad when seven centuries earlier... He gave this message, or we read this message that he gave. In Luke 1, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Nazareth, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, 
to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angels said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name, what? Jesus. Not Allah. What are we going to call his name? Jesus. What does Jesus mean? God is my salvation. Savior. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So how could that same angel give two opposing messages? One to Mary seven centuries before he appeared to Muhammad and gave Muhammad a different opposing message. Listen, friends, one of them is lying. And you got to decide which one's lying. Which one's lying? To you, which one's the truth? You have to decide. That's why he says, no, settle it once and for all that God is God. Paul said to the church of Galatia, see this, this that we're going through, this pluralistic society and culture that we're living, it's nothing new. It's been going on for centuries. The Christians were living surrounded by that in Ephesus and, and even in Galatia. When Paul said to that church in Galatia, even if we are an angel from heaven, Paul said, not even Satan masquerading as an angel, but if an angel comes from heaven and preaches to you any other gospel than what we have preached, let him be accursed. There is only one God. But the devil masquerades as an angel to compete, to deceive others that there are other gods. You know there are demons posing as angels and demons posing as gods. In fact, all these would-be gods, some of them ones that we mentioned by name last week, are really nothing but demons. And the de you see what the devil wants? You know what he wants? The same thing God gets. What is that? Worship. And he'll get it however he can get it. And if he can masquerade as an angel, or if he can, if he can get his demons to masquerade as angels, then he can receive their worship. And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. He said, rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they're really sacrificing it to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. So these who are worshiping other gods, you know what they're worshiping? The Bible says what they're worshiping. They're worshiping demons. But they think they're worshiping gods. Paul said it again to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. He said, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So, why do people believe there are other gods? Simply, they're deceived by Satan who masquerades as an angel or a god. And they're deceived. Now, the next question, in answer to why do people believe in other, other gods, the next question I ask myself is why are people so easily deceived? 
This always baffled me. Is Here's a man who steps out of a cave and he says, I've just been visited by an angel. And here's what he gave me. He gave me this book. Or he gave me these plates, in the case of Muhammad. And I translated them into language you could read. And it's called the Quran. He, he, here's a man, he, he just stepped out of a dark cave. Nobody witnessed it, nobody was there with him. He stepped out of a dark cave and he proclaimed this to be the truth and now it's the second largest religion in the world. How is it that that many people can be deceived? Or here's another man, Joseph Smith. Again, no witnesses. Just Joseph Smith had this supposedly angelic visitation and he steps out and he says, I found another book that's just as valuable, just as valid, just as trustworthy as the Holy Scriptures, maybe even more so. And how is it that he can have millions of followers around the world? How is it that people can be so easily deceived? The Bible answers that question too. Turn with me. Or look on the screen at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is speaking about the coming of the Antichrist or the lawless one as he calls them here. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now listen, just because you see a miracle, don't think it's from God. The devil can mimic anything. And he'll use supernatural signs to deceive people. You remember when Moses stood before Pharaoh and God gave him the sign of the rod? He said, if Pharaoh doesn't believe you, then throw down your rod and it'll become a serpent. So Moses, standing there in the court of Pharaoh, threw down his rod. What did it become? A serpent, a snake. Well, what did the Egyptian magicians do? They threw down their rods. And what did their rods become? Same thing, snakes. In other words, the devil was mimicking miracles and signs and wonders. He does that today. So don't go following miracles and signs and wonders. You may be following the devil. Well, what did Moses' serpent do? Swallowed up the other snakes. You know what God was saying? I'm God over those would-be gods. Go back to the scripture here. Verse 10 talking about the working of Satan with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. That is, those who are lost are being deceived. Why? Here's the, here's the answer. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, what reason? The reason that they didn't receive the truth. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So why are people so easily deceived? Because they've rejected the truth. If you reject the truth, here's, I'm giving you, I'm working on a formula here. A biblical formula. You might want to write this down. Reject the truth leads to believing the lie. Now we're going to add to that formula. So I'm going to add to that formula. So turn or look at Romans chapter 1. We're building this formula as to why are people so easily deceived. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Suppress what? The truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. God has revealed himself to all humanity. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, what? God says, I've made myself known in such a way to give everybody an opportunity to believe in me. There are no such people as those who've never heard. Get that out of your mind. That's contrary to scripture. There's no such people. There are people who've rejected the truth and therefore believe the lie. And are worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. Let's keep reading. Because, verse 21, they, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Yeah, there's a lot of professors out there who want, to be, want you to think that they're wise. And they're teaching all kinds of garbage in our schools, our education, our education system out there, colleges and all sorts of places. They got all kinds of degrees. They have more degrees than a thermometer. They got PhDs on top of PhDs. And you know, you know how to pronounce PhD? That's what God thinks of our PhDs. They profess, especially if they don't know him. Professing to be wise, they become fools. And they change the glory of God, of the incorruptible God, into an image made like corruptible man. And birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God, hear this phrase now, therefore, therefore, what's therefore? All that we just read, they've rejected the truth. It leads to God giving them up. God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. What did they do, verse 25? Exchange the truth of God for what? The lie. Not just a lie, the lie. That God's not God. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... God gave them up to vile passions. Why are there homosexuals? Because they've rejected God. They've rejected God's truth. God gave them up to vile passions for even the women. Exchanged their natural use for that. What is against nature? It's against nature for a woman to be with a woman. It's against nature for a man to be with a man. That don't make no sense, y'all. Likewise, also the men having the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is what? Shameful. And receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. And even as they did not like what? To retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up or over to what? A debased, corrupted mind. So here's part of the formula. Rejecting the truth leads to believing the lie, which leads to a corrupted mind. Are you writing this formula down? You're going to need it. Rejecting the truth leads to believing the lie, which leads to a corrupted mind. We're not done. Got one more thing to add. 
Revelation chapter 9. This is during the great tribulation, but God gives us a picture of what's to come and teaches us some lessons here. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20, he says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And in chapter 16, verse 9 and 11, And men were scorched with great heat, And they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and they did not repent of their deeds. So here's the rest of the formula. You reject the truth. You believe the lie. You have a debased, corrupt mind which leads to a hardened, unrepentant heart that can no longer be saved. So if you're here today or you're listening today and you're rejecting the fact that there is one true God, that's the danger you're in. And you will spend an eternity in hell unless you repent. They didn't want God in their lifetime, so they'll be separated from Him forever in a place of torment. Now, that's the truth. Why do people believe in other gods? Because they're deceived by the devil who poses as an angel or a God or good, righteous? Why do people so easily believe Him? Because they've already rejected the truth. They've are, which makes them easy targets to believe the lie, which has led to their corrupted minds, which has led to their unrepentant hearts. You know there are people alive today that cannot be saved. You don't believe that probably, but it's true. They've gone too far. I don't know who they are. You don't know who they are. That's why we got to keep preaching and teaching God's truth. But God knows who they are. There are some people who have debased minds, who are hardened and unrepentant toward God. And Revelation told us that. Even while God is disciplining them, punishing them, they're shaking a fist at God and they will not repent. Now that's the culture we're living in. Do you see it happening? Do you see that in our culture? Are you watching and paying attention to what's going on in our world? Do you see what's going on in the streets of our cities? Do you hear what people are saying? That's what we're living in. That's why it's time for the people of God to say, enough's enough. We ain't budging. God is God. There's only one. And his name's not Allah. His name's not Buddha. His name's not Apollo or Zeus. His name is Yahweh. His name is Jesus Christ. But I want to share with you before we close... Probably the worst God of all. Little G God. Probably the, the God that competes with the one true God. The most, the most popular little G God in the world. The one that you battle. The one that you and I have. The one God that competes the most with the one true God is right here. It's me. It's self. Someone said this. It was an anonymous quote. The biggest God in the world is me. 
myself, and I. And no one is allowed to compete with that one. Now, let's go back to what the devil does. He masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he makes something that's evil look good. How does he do that with self? How can I know if self is truly my God? Or if God is truly my God? Let me give you some masks that look good and they would appear righteous or good but they're evidences of self as God. This is a scripture that you don't find on the screen but it's in Philippians chapter 3 if you want to turn there. Verse 18 to 20. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping broke Paul's heart that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You know there are people sitting in churches who are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They sat in the synagogues of Jesus' day. Why would they not sit in the churches of, Jesus, of, of our day? Enemies of the cross. How can you recognize an enemy of the cross of Christ? Well, one of the things Paul says here is God, the, whose God is their belly. <laughs> whose God is their belly. I like food just like everybody else. I'm from Louisiana we weren't raised in Cajun country but we were raised in South Louisiana I did spend 15 years with the Cajuns and you know the thing they say about the Cajuns is, is they don't eat to live they what? they live to eat then I moved to South Georgia 21 years ago and I found the same true of rednecks <laughs> rednecks don't eat to live they live to eat and I, I, I are one of you unfortunately I look forward to lunchtime. That's why y'all want me to quit in about 15 minutes. Because <laughs> God, your belly is your God. Next phrase he said is, who set their mind on earthly things. What do you think about during the week? It's easy to think about spiritual things when you're at church and Sunday school. Or reading your Bible. But I mean, what, what occupies your thoughts? What's on your mind? Is your mind set on earthly things? I've got to pay the bills. I'm worried about what so-and-so is thinking about me. By the way, if you're worried about what other people think of you, you just might as well quit worrying about what other people think of you because they're not really thinking about you. They're too busy thinking about themselves. Aren't you? You're worried about what they're thinking about you. You are worried about what they are thinking about who? You. So who are you really thinking about? You. We set our mind on earthly things. Things of this world. Low things. Temporal things. Are we really thinking about eternal things? Spiritual things? God things? No, because we're so self-consumed. 2 Timothy, Paul said this, verse, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. 
You love yourself. Aren't you supposed to love yourself, preacher? Yeah, you are. Love God with all your heart. Then, who? Love who? Your neighbor. Then love who? Yourself. So some said that's the secret to joy. J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, yourself where? Last. We get that backwards. We love ourselves and we tolerate others and we might love Jesus. Lovers of themselves in the last days. When have we lived in a day where people were more in love with themselves than any other time that you've known about? Another one he says here is lovers of money. Lovers of money. Lovers of money goes into all forms. Uh, you know, we've got to have the nicest house. We've got to have the nicest, latest vehicle. We have to have the nicest, nicest uh, latest styles of fashion that we wear. And, and uh, on and on and on. We've got to keep up with the Joneses. Well, who are the Joneses? Are the Joneses even saved? The Joneses are the devil's crowd. Now, if your last name is Jones, I'm sorry. I don't mean to pick on you. But we don't have to keep up with the Joneses. We need to look up to Jesus. Lovers of money. Then he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Pleasure. I enjoy a good time just as, just as much as any of you do. Pleasure. We seek pleasure. You know, we're such an entertainment-driven society. Entertainment has become our God. Even church people, sometimes you come to church to be entertained. Keep my attention, preacher, if you can. Keep my attention, Mr. Music Leader, if you can. I want it to be entertaining. I want to please my senses. We spend thousands and I'm, I should, well, I can't say that. I better, I'm not worried about getting in trouble. I'm just not going to say it. Um, but we spend so much money on entertainment. And here we are at the beginning of football season. My team won yesterday. Did yours? Brian's sitting on cloud nine. He's 2-0. and Tennessee, 2-0. and We spend hours on entertainment. Nothing wrong with entertainment. It's, a, it's, it's good. These things I'm talking about are good. Money's not evil in itself. It's good. Pleasure's not evil in itself. It's good. But it may hide the fact that you're serving the wrong God. Add to that the gods of comfort. Don't ask me to do anything more than I'm already doing. Don't ask me if it's hard. The God of leisure. No, I just I have to have some time off. The God of work. The God of work. I'm a workaholic. I'm not saying I am. I'm talking in the third person here. I'm a workaholic. I've got to always be busy. Can't sit still. Can't be idle. Got to always be doing something. That speck of dust on the floor has got to get up right now. I can't have my quiet time. When that phone buzzes, I've got to look right away who it is. Busyness, busy, 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 busy. We're too busy. Busyness is our God. Some of you struggle just to be still. God said, be still and know what? That I am God. But if you can't be still, then He ain't God. Some of you struggle just to be still. Just be still. Unplug. Unwind. Turn that thing off. The TV, the telephone, the whatever. And be still. Entertainment. Sports. Work, busyness, money. How about approval? I want everybody to like me. Amen? 
I don't want none of y'all to not like me. I want y'all all to like me. Some of you may be liking me less about now. But is that my God? I want to be accepted. Don't you want to be accepted? I want to be, you want to be popular. The in crowd. Is that your God? Approval junkies, acceptance junkies. How about your appearance? Your appearance. How many hours do we spend on our appearance? How much money do we spend on our appearance? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but they're not. And the Bible says our bodies are the temple of God, but they're not our God. We don't serve these bodies. These bodies are meant to serve the God. Yes, we need to keep them in the best shape we can, but we don't need to be appearance junkies where we're always worried about the shape of our bodies or the size of our bodies or, or how we look to other people or how other people look. Some of you are addicted to lust. And lust is your God. You can't keep your eyes off of the opposite sex. And sex is your God. You're always looking for the next fix. Am I hitting home? Is God hitting home with any of us? You see how those things that I've just mentioned, every one of them, going back up to the very beginning, eating, ourselves, money, pleasure, comfort, leisure, work, Entertainment, sports, approval, acceptance, the appearance of our bodies, sex. Are any of those things bad? Are any of those things bad? No. Are those things good? Yes. But you know what? The devil loves to pervert what is good. And he wants, to, he wants those things to become our God. He wants us to serve those things instead of him. You see, not only those whose God is Zeus or Apollo or Allah will miss heaven, but those whose God is self. For God will not allow any competitors. That's why Jesus said that in order to be saved, we must, said if any man wants to follow me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross, the instrument of death, die to yourself and follow me. You see, belief in the one true God is absolutely necessary for eternal life. And we say we believe that. What are we really living that? We're waiting for the world. We're waiting for the Muslims to convert. We're waiting for the Mormons to convert. God's waiting for his people to convert. He's waiting for his people to say, not only say there is one true God, but to, to live. There is only one true God. John, Jesus uh, said in John 17, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. John said in 1 John, and we know that the Son of God has come, and He's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. You see, it's not enough to have a head knowledge of just one God. You know what James said. You believe there's one God, you do well. The devils also believe. The demons also believe and tremble. They're over here trembling in the, in the knowledge that there's one God, but yet they're still trying to deceive us into thinking there are other gods. 
So to those of us who say we believe in the one true God, are we living it? Is my life a testimony to the one true God? Do I have competitors in my heart for God's love? You remember our, our book that's our text for this whole series, the book of Ephesians. You know, and, and Paul wrote to the church in Ephesians, there's one Lord, one God, one faith. Well, the first word from Jesus in the book of Revelation to the seven churches, the first letter was to which church? Ephesus. And what did he say to Ephesus? He said, Ephesus, you got a great thing going here, but I've got one thing against you. Remember what he said, that one thing he, to that church of Ephesus he had against him? What was it? You've left your first love. God's people. We must repent of our idolatry. I hope that you're as convicted as I am as I go through that list of idols. Here's some of my competitors right here. Starting with that woman right there. She doesn't want to be a competitor for God in my heart, but she she is. My children, my parents, brother, children, my grandchildren. Do I love them? Are they idols? God, I hope not. But I do have to fight that. God says to his people in Ezekiel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He says to the house of Israel, but I'm going to paraphrase and say it like this, so you, lest you think he's not speaking to you or me. This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And So now God says to Ezekiel, this is what's happening, Ezekiel. You're my prophet. Now here's what I want you to do. Tell my people. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent and turn away from your idols. And stop all your detestable sins. You see, work is not bad, but if it's God, it's detestable. (laughs) My wife is not bad. She's wonderful, but if she's my God, that's detestable. Sports and acceptance and leisure, not, not bad, but if it's my God, it's detestable. Otherwise, here's what God says he will do to his people. I, the Lord, will turn against those who reject me and set up idols in their hearts and so fall into sin. And I will make a terrible example of them, eliminating them from among my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God wants his people to establish once and for all in their hearts, not only on their lips, but in their hearts and in their lives. He's God. He's God. And if he's God, he's worth living for with all that we are. God help us. I know I can't do that in my own strength. I struggle just as you do. But in this world, we've got to stand there. I want you to bow with me this morning in your hearts and your... And here's some things I want us to do this morning. First of all, with your head bowed, identify your idols.